Live from sunny Southern California, it's the Hollywood Billboard Report, voted best part of Oscar bait. I'm Mr. Mikey. The little man has some big billboards. That's right, we got some great new Cyrano ads on Hyperion by the Pet Boys. Great location and visibility for a new take on this old classic. Next up, we have some fabulous new billboards of Moonfall on Melrose across from Paramount Studios. This is just an absolutely fabulous billboard. It's just so terrific. And to round it all out, the film event everyone has been waiting for, Death on the Nile has some stunning billboards on Beverly next to LA's easiest shoplifting location, Air One. That's all for me. This has been Mr. Mikey with your Hollywood Billboard Report. Bye. smoking a cigarette well everyone let me take a rare moment in oscar bait to address some things that i find to be problematic with this podcast this is just your old buddy john solo and i don't really want to make too much of a deal about it but i'd like to get out ahead of some of the allegations facing my co-hosts so I, I just kind of want to clear the air now that I have a moment with everyone because I, I just, I, I think people have getting a little lost in what this show could be or they perceive is, and it really isn't. I'm out here trying to talk about the movies. I'm trying to talk about cinema and art. And I just find myself constantly beaten down with every intellectual idea I propose by will. And I want everyone to know that now. And I just want you to know that in future episodes, things will change. <laughs> well, things oh, are- hey, nothing. I was... Uh... <laughs> I'm excited to hear when this episode's ready. <laughs> All right, don't smoke. I just wanted to speak my mind on some things. That's good. That's good. I'm excited to hear them. <laughs> I'll hear it at the same time as all of you hear it. I bet you are excited to hear what I just said. <laughs> All right, moving on. Well, next up, Ed TV and Symbiopsychotaxoplasm, take one. Um, one directed by Ron Howard, run one directed by William Greaves. Um, despite what I said in the beginning of the meltdown on the Cinephile podcast, Ed TV is a great movie. This is what I was talking about. Just so you know, everyone, this is. <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I I I really I love lots of Ron Howard movies. I just uh you know when I spiral I sometimes decide to uh throw out the baby, the bathwater, the tub, and the house that it's in. Um for no reason, really. Uh you know, but anyway, uh 
EdTV, I think, is a great movie that is was slept on when it came out and continues to be slept on to this day, despite the easy sell of even just, you know, Ellen pre-fame, McConaughey pre-fame. Don't know what else you need. Um, Jenna Elfman. Oh, my God. In the midst the of queen, fame. Yeah. The Queen. Coming off Darman Greg is such a stellar show, and she really made a smart call doing this movie. Wasn't she in Can't Hardly Wait also? Is she? I think. Yeah, yeah. She plays the uh, the person, uh, the like the lady Shit. dressed up like an angel. I think yes, like that's right. Oh, she definitely does. Yeah. We love Jenna. Um, Can't Hardly Wait coming soon to part two. That movie rules. We do, That's one we just played four times in a row. <laughs> pretty good movie. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this one, this one, I think is, is maybe one of the most dense as far as if you really want to get, if you really want to intellectualize things and uh, you know, dig into the world of Marshall McLuhan, for instance. Um, the way media is delivered, uh, what screens have done to us as a species. Um, how we how we look at each other differently when we can capture and uh, I guess rework images uh, and how we how we put them back out into the world. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this one this one you can really rabbit hole down if you want to. Um, it's presented more. I guess no, it's it's presented directly in both of them. Really, yeah. These movies are really quite similar. Um, very Just, uh, yeah yeah but this one this one's one of the one of the headier ones if you, if you want to get into it but luckily you also don't have to because both are v- just truly very entertaining movies um in their own right both are very funny um and yeah i mean what do you what do you think of this one yeah <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I don't know. I feel like because this one is so dense, it's just kind of like picking apart why would completely rob one of this one. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree. And so, I guess, the, oh, go ahead. No, that's it, really. I, I just think like this is the one where we could slip into, uh, you know, post, you know, Siskel screening level like sure yeah Yeah, it's true uh the only i guess the the last thing then because we yeah just we'll tell you the night of the show we'll talk if you want to come out we'll talk after the show yeah with you very much so and we'll bring up all everyone's favorite most annoying cultural theorists i'll bring some jean baudrillard books to give out to people (laughs) We'll we'll have some fun uh but yeah the my one thing here is uh i'm beg people to not be uh, scared off by or intimidated by the title of the second film um, because it can in the past, truly really, when I've tried to show people this movie, oftentimes their reaction is like, oh, fuck off, man. Like get your head out of your ass. Like we get it. You like smart movies, whatever. And that's not, um, that's not what's happening. I don't think in symbio. Um, I think it's a very, uh, a very accessible movie uh, that has a lot to say for anyone that happens to have a really ridiculous title. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a long title. 
It's a lo- yeah, it's a long title that can, I think, get in the way of the pure joy of this movie. Also, that movie is barely over an hour. So keep that yeah, in mind. Exactly. If you're if you're wondering if you do want to take a chance on it, it's literally less than a 90 minute, less than an 80 minute commitment <laughs> um, to give it a shot. And yeah, William Greaves is a, another of the really undersung. I think in the world of documentary and docufiction, I guess. Yeah. Filmmaking. Um, Nation Time kind of finally blew up in the last yeah. couple of years, which is great. Um, but this one's him being mischievous and not just documenting something. This is him fucking around a lot in a really charming way. Um, yeah. I hope people take a shot. I think this one's a little bit of a harder sell um, than the others, even though it shouldn't be, I don't think. But I do yeah. think it is. Um, no, I, I don't think it is. I think like, it's a pretty easy one, actually. Like it just seems that way. But yeah, it just it seems it seems more highfalutin than it needs to be. No, I mean, like we said, it can be if you want it to be, but it sure as shit does not have to be at all, and you can still have a great time either way. Plus, Ron Howard, director of Cotton Candy. Yep, and again, a great fucking director, multiple times throughout his career, despite what I said. Well, he's had some uh... made some pieces of shit. Don't get me wrong, but he's also made some really, really amazing movies in the American movie landscape for sure. What was his version of Moby Dick that was kind of all right? Oh shit! Ah, whatever. Um, Anyway, I I, don't don't judge him on Hillbilly Elegy alone. Yeah, just go go back into a time when the name Ron Howard didn't make you like you know throw up a little in your mouth. Yeah, or you thought of all those canted angles in the Grinch. (laughs) Let's go back to a time before the Grinch existed. Yeah, and again, let's just celebrate Jenna, dude. Really, that's kind of what this is all about. (laughs) (laughs) And Jenna Elfman is not in Symbiopsychotaxoplasm Take One, but her spirit is. So see the. Yeah, you can imagine her in the movie while you're watching it. Oh, it's like so fucking funny. Obviously, not to mention, like, horrifically beautiful. Horrifically beautiful. What was the movie or thing that, like, got me so, like, it was Dharma and Greg, man. Is it Dharma and Greg? Yeah. I I bet you ingested it without even realizing, and she just had you. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, I think it could have been Can't Hardly Wait, honestly. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah. Uh, You said it, that image burned back into my brain. Yeah, or Krippendorf's Tribe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like she had a a kind of short run, but. Very short. And she is also in, uh, I mean, it was already. I guess we can say it, cut it out if you want, but since it was already soft announced, she is in another movie that will be playing in Highs and Lows Part 2 if you guys buy tickets and come out. If you want to see what Will's about to tell you is going to play, which is one of the proudest double What you do? Yeah, you want to see this. Jenna Elfman, directed by none other than Joe Dante in the unfairly foolishly maligned misunderstood borderline masterpiece that is looney tunes back in action fucking buy some tickets and we'll see you guys there because it's going to be playing with another movie from an unfairly maligned period in uh, the career of director jean-luc godard keep your write-up
So if you want to see that shit, we'll see y'all at the music box. Trust me, you want to see it. You do want to see that. Um, that one, that one, that's a ripper. That is a brain ripper. Yeah, and you can't do it at home because Looney Tunes back in action is way too expensive. You know, you're never going to get the old... I got to fly in here, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you're never going to be able to afford the out-of-print Keep Your Ride of Olive Blu-ray. So, that's right. You can't. Is it out-of-print? No, no one's rushing to put it out again. So, yeah. Come, yeah. Anyway, Jenna Elfman... Moving on. We love Jenna Elfman. Next okay. up is John's baby. This one, um, this one John suggested when me and Mike did this the first time in LA. If I'm remembering correctly, I could be wrong, but I believe this is one of the first things you fired back when Mike told you about the idea. Um, yeah, I this was yeah. one of the first things that came into my mind. And yeah, and that is a. Uh, American Pie and uh, Graduate First. So, John, why does it, why does this one matter so much? Or Passe to Non Le Blanc. <laughs> Passe to France. Passe to Non Le Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of interesting because it's like, I could have picked, you know, there could have been anything to go with one of these. Like yeah. American Pie has many pairings. Many pairings. Uh, I'm, you know, that's a, you know, you can take a art house, canonical art house movie by someone like Maurice P. Lot, just pair it with something with a similar plot. But I think these two have a lot more in common. Um, but they're not necessarily in what is in, maybe potentially embedded in the movie from the onset. I think a movie like Graduate First by Maurice P. Lot is a movie that set out to kind of strip the veneer of childhood, young adulthood of that next phase of your life, moving on to the next thing. And, you know, it's great. It's just, you know, it's, if you know this guy's movies, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty uh, hard hitting American pie, a huge cultural phenomenon of movie that maybe we devoted an episode or two to, um, (laughs) I don't know how well the movie has aged, except in the sense that I believe that the movie is way sweeter than I could have remembered it being. Yep. But the reality of what happens to the characters in American Pie and what would happen to them after graduation would be closer to probably something like Graduate First rather than American Pie 2, where they all just move to the lake together with their entire graduating class. Everyone gets <laughs> jobs at a lake town and it's like the party can continue. Yeah. That's um, part of what was so amazing when we did do the deep dive was I very much in my brain, they all melded together and I would have put them on the same level. And that's not a level that I don't like. Um, but I didn't remember the first one being such a unique and sweet, like you said, but a very unique movie. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not making the case that, you know, it's some secret masterpiece or anything, but it is very special, I think. And I think it has a lot more to offer and to think about, um, than it really has any business doing. Yeah. Well, if you're seeing, if you're around our age, probably are, and you're coming to see this movie, you remember the brouhaha around American Pie when it came out. 
And if you don't remember that, dig back on our episodes to an episode <laughs> called In the Shadow of Stifler. And the cultural reach of that movie was pretty large. It's kind yeah, of hard to now. Yeah. For our younger listeners, it's kind of hard to like really wrap your head around or make the case for how big that movie was when it came out when it yeah so you know i think in many ways it clouded a younger generation's mind of like this is me as a high schooler or this is me when i'm gonna be in high school this is what my life's gonna be like and a lot of movies do this but american pie was huge it was the biggest like cultural high school sex comedy ever like nothing will beat that my point being that there's a lot going into this one that you have to if you don't remember that time when this movie came out then let this be something to remember when you go see it contrasting that with um well i guess you know is essentially maurice pialat's high school movie I think like it's a good salve or um, a sobering sort of like splash on the face for the absolute uh, lunacy of what is reality depicted in American Pie. But American Pie doesn't obviously go that deep into Luna. It's, it's definitely more in control of like its reality, but I guess think about it. Rewatch American Pie 2, then come see this, and yes. maybe you'll understand exactly what we're talking about. And this one, uh, also real quick, I'll say, because we forgot to say the dates. For Ed TV and Symbio, that's uh, February 17th and March 3rd. And then uh, for... This one's different than the rest, but the first time we're showing it, Graduate First will actually play and then American Pie on uh, February 19th. And then on March 1st, American Pie plays first and then graduate first. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is a, it's a, I like, I mean, I like the, I like the way you put it, the sobering, the sobering nature of this PLA movie following American Pie. And I'm, I'm going to try to watch this one both ways. Because the only way I've seen it is, American Pie and Graduate First, and I'm really excited to experience the whiplash going the other way. And thank, truly thank God that both on film, um, yeah. be, even just the different film stocks of the different eras and the different budgets, I think is going to be pretty striking. For well, the- a lot to talk about, yeah, for that one. Um, well, next and, up. Yeah, well, and I will say, just if you are that film head out there, the cinephile, cinecast listener that you go to every CFS screening, then this is the one you're probably going to want to tune your little film antenna to because this is a very rare print of the, of the Pialat film. Uh, we had to do a lot of work to secure the money for this. We did. Thank you to Paul University. Yep. Um, they came through, and this is straight from the Cinematheque Francaise, which on the Cinecast, I called out uh, Henri Langlois. Um, we are your equal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We have uh, entered the same world as <laughs> Mr. Lingua. 
And I'm going to try to get just as bulbous as him before <laughs> this starts. Oh, but yeah, don't, don't sleep on this. this. This movie does not play often in any form, but especially not on an imported 35 millimeter print from France. That's gorgeous to you. I was looking at this, yeah. this print once and it's fucking gorgeous. So it's amazing. Okay. Also the tickets are fucking cheap, man. These are yeah, cheap. The tickets are pretty cheap. Get out of here. What is it? 15 bucks. Yeah. Get out of here. 15 and then 12 for music box members, I think. So yeah, yeah. just come out next up. We've got uh, Peggy Sue got married and the last temptation of Christ. This one is one. If you listen to the cinephile episode, has been reflected in conversations with other people. Also the first time we did this where people were a little bit uh, perplexed, I guess, at this one's inclusion. I guess we'll be brief because we've, we've done this before and we don't need to go to bat too hard here, but basically it's, you know, the whole thing is that it's easy to forget despite him making twixt in recent memory. Um, the way Coppola is written in film history right now is that he always was and always will be this, uh, giant, this absolutely you know beloved and respected giant, and that was very much not the case at all in his career, many times over, but especially during this. Um, as we said, he was still recovering from the disaster of shooting Apocalypse Now, and uh, part of that hangover was when one of the stars of Peggy Sue got married, um, his relative who was named Nicholas Coppola changed his name to Nicholas Cage to distance himself from his, is it his uncle? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. To distance himself from his uncle, he changed his name legally <laughs> to Nicholas Cage because that's how bad it was to be connected to a Coppola thing at the time. The apocalypse now and one from the heart. Um, and so, yeah, this was a, this was a, you know, a, for all intents and purposes, a for hire make money movie. Um, you know, and just hope it didn't <laughs> ruin his career even further. So this certainly qualifies uh, as a, you know, a, a strictly a pop culture movie, really. Um, and it was not all that well received when it came out. And it wasn't for a long time, I guess, what, maybe 10 years back or so even? Maybe a little further, but yeah. And it's still not sometimes. People still laugh sometimes when you bring it up. Um but yeah, so this is a. This one is maybe the most uh, one of one of the most uh, where the where the similarities are about the themes. I would say. Yeah. Um, there's visual stuff you can do, and we do in the trailer for sure. But thematically, these two movies are obsessed with the same things. Um, yes. And even though Coppola was in a really bad place. Uh, what his guts were interested in still came through very strong and same with marty even though last temptation was you know uh pretty well respected out the gate um by a lot of people and critics for sure uh well certain critics for sure yeah um maybe not the people not yeah maybe not the people um but he also being in a very low point in his life in the midst of his cocaine addiction um but yeah they were they both became really deeply obsessed with looking back on life um, yeah. and, and then, what happens what happens when you when you maybe i guess just get lost in that um and are completely you know completely removed from the present 
um, or from the future even. Um, right. I mean, yeah, what happens when you get obsessed? Yeah, and, you know, the, I guess the ending of Last Temptation, if you don't know what it is, I'm not going to say what it is, that kind of ties, yes. ties them together a little bit. But yeah, like you were saying, it's where these two, uh, you know, kings of American cinema found themselves at this point, like you said. I mean, he's coming fresh off of just ruining further finances with one from the heart, which great movie. But he he had also started the Zoetrope Studios. Scorsese was getting out of his drug addiction, but I'm sure he was still, you know, I think he was probably not doing well. He was, he was out by then, but I don't think he had, you know, done the, was all the way through the, the work that it took to get back to where he eventually did. Yeah, he needed to sweat it out in Africa. Yeah. And, you know, that well, movie was, what? I was going to say on what, it's so it's also so apt for what these movies are obsessed with that the first time Marty tried to make this movie was in the seventies. Um, and it fell apart horribly. Brutally yeah, it was in that. black and white. It was gonna be black yeah. and white with Jesus being like a this is a character from Mean Streets and like a suit. Yep. Yep. Lots yeah. of on the waterfront vibes, like yeah, it was gonna be like that kind of thing. Um and supposedly that was a bit that falling apart was a part of the big thing that actually uh, plummeted Marty into the cocaine woes um, and that part of his life. So you can feel that running through what eventually Last Temptation of Christ did become. Um, yeah, you can feel the history. I think that both of these people have with these stories and everyone involved. The acting in all of these movies is stunning. It's kind of unsettling because it, it, I don't know. You can just tell that everyone really felt this shit a little bit too hard that they were making. Yeah, this one's hardly like you can make the high and low comparison, which becomes thinner and thinner the more this chugs on. But it's like, you know, it, it is very much about where these two filmmakers were and how they could make these kind of symbiotic sort of films during the 1980s, one with Scorsese being a passion project and then Coppola being a for hire project. And that's pretty cool because what, you know, the passion project versus the studio for hire project is that they both kind of arrive at a very similar place. And, and again, I mean, like I said with Machete, if you were not impressed by the opening, Peggy Sue got married, oh. just check yourself out of the seat, go buy a shirt. <laughs> And and go hang out at Candy Alley. That's where you deserve to be. Is munching Sour Patch Kids at Candy Alley. That's all I have to say on it. Yep. On this one, screening dates. So uh, this one also just heads up for everybody. Both times it plays, it's matinee because uh, the this is the longest double feature by a long shot. Um, but on uh, February 20th, Peggy Sue got married, Last Temptation. And on March 5th, Last Temptation, then Peggy Sue. Both, of course, gorgeous 35 millimeter prints. Yeah. Coming out of this. Um, really gorgeous. Next up, one of the uh, first ones 
when this idea was born that uh, that came to mind and then was vetted intensely multiple times because the experience was so beautiful is a uh, dumb and dumber and Itumama Tambien. Um, and this one, I think we don't need to do much, uh, but I think this one maybe is the one that is uh, the most on paper the same because these plays are honestly not that much different. They are in their execution, but in uh, the, I guess the guts or what would be like the story by credit, they're very similar. Um, But uh, I won't say too much because I'll get too into it, but uh, these, these movies both separately, you know, greatly shaped who I am for sure. But the experience of watching them together uh it's really it's really it's really um it's a really giving and illuminating journey uh looking at it sounds so silly but just looking at the you know the makeup of young dudes trying to figure shit out who are definitely probably in love with each other but who are also horny and are also in love with the same woman um and yeah, how you how you navigate that, uh, but it becomes I don't know. It beca- I, I think as a as a single movie, as the way we're showing it, uh, this becomes uh, one of the one of the coolest one of the coolest explorations of uh, what you're told are you know relatively straight dudes going on a road trip. Um, yeah. But it be it, I don't know. It, beca- it becomes a lot more. Yeah, it does. That was again an easy one. If you can't figure that one out, sorry. Yeah, but but don't sleep on it just because it seems easy either. Oh no, it's so uh, keep yourself open. This isn't the yeah. heart because of Dumb and Dumber. Even though it, not that this movie has a bad reputation, people fucking love Dumb and Dumber. They did when it came out. They always have. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. I think the pathos. Uh, of Dumb and Dumber is really uh, elevated by showing it with each Tambien since that, since it's accepted with that one, right? Like, you know, everyone sees that as a, as a very rewarding, emotional, intelligent experience. I think putting them together, you know, elevates both of them in a certain way um, and brings shit out in both of them that you may not have noticed before, or at least not noticed in that way. Right. Yeah. This is this is a fun one. I think everyone can really get on board with this and just be able to see, yeah, how one shapes the other because they're so similar. <laughs> like this is a perfect example of what this uh, series is because like you watch those two back to back and you you'll probably get scenes from each one like mixed up yeah. in your head. You know, you'll be thinking about Gail Garcia Bernal just shitting his brains out <laughs> in an Aspen like condo. <laughs> and also, you know, bring your uh if you still dudes out there, if you still have any friends who are still so worried about stuff that they have to say like, you know, no homo every time you hug or if I you do like, that exactly. Yeah. If you give like a genuine compliment to another dude and you have to say like not in a gay way, whatever, bring them to this movie because it's gonna help them really just accept and love themselves and their friends and that they're gay they're gonna start sucking you in the seat it's gonna be great people are gonna just you know they're gonna realize that 
sexuality is all in your head. <laughs> it's fluid, bro. It's fluid. It's fluid, bro. <laughs> I expect a lot of dudes that came together to just like, you know, no raincoats. No, no, you can't do it. We're not saying do it. Don't do it. But I wouldn't be surprised. This is the, this is the, the best friend double feature of the century. So we'll fucking see you there. <laughs> You'll feel great after you've just, you know, busted out with your friends afterwards and been like, I love you, bro. Yep. And you'll be able to, yeah, you'll have a genuine hug and the love will be real and you'll feel okay about it. You might feel weird the next morning because you're going to have a dream, but that's for another time. Yeah. Just, just come out and celebrate friendship. That's what these, that's what these fucking movies are. Celebrating friendship, surviving through it all. We should have done a triple feature with the, um, the Oliver Stone movie about, the two drug dealers, the two weed dealers who uh, they share Blake Lively, I think, is their oh, girlfriend. Jesus Christ, that movie makes me want to die. What is that shit called? Uh, I keep wanting to say Narcos, but that's not it. No, no, no. It's, it's so lame. The title is so absurd. Don't look. Don't look. Savages. Savages, that's what it is. God, what a piece of shit. Yeah. Pretty savage stuff. Okay. Savage stuff. Do we, um, did we do the dates on that? Let's do the dates on that. Um, and again, both lovely 35 millimeter prints. Dumb and Dumber needs to Tambien, February 22nd. E2 and Tambien and Dumb and Dumber, March 6th. Um, yeah, fucking come out for that. Also, that one, even if there are ticket woes, there won't be for that one. So don't don't sleep and then be bummed when you can't come. Because that one will, that one will, that one will go off. Um, Cause that's also, you know, that one's one of the, the ones I will say that thus far has had the widest reaching of our double features as far as demographics that is across the board. Uh, every, every uh, persuasion and uh, genetic makeup of person you can imagine seems to be fucking stoked for Dumb and Dumber and Itumama. So there, get, yeah. Tickets. Yeah. get your fucking tickets. Yeah, and a reminder, they're filling up fast. You need to get those tickets. We are almost out of tickets. I'd get them yesterday. I'd get them yesterday for everything. If you don't get them yesterday, get them this morning. Get them this morning. <laughs> um, and we, uh, we've, we've arrived. I know you're excited, and I'm just going to let you go off to close this shit out. Um, before that, though, so don't forget. I do just want to say huge shout out to Ryan Ostrike, who is the uh, general manager and is programming into every every hat you can imagine at the music theater for this. Because um, we this is this is a hard series to get someone to say yes to. It's expensive to put on. Obviously, it's a bit high concept, and it's and it's quite a risk to just go for this, um, especially right like right after you know the world's opened back up. Ryan was immediately like, fuck yes, we want to be a part of this. We want to do it. Let's do it. Said yes to us after a meeting where we tried to pretend to be professionals. I like printed out stuff. <laughs> we didn't really follow any of that. We just kind of. No. no. But, we did a Julius no. Meinl ahead of time. And we're like, we're going to be very professional. <laughs> we were not. But Ryan said yes and for that. And thank you to everyone at the Music Box. Because again, this it's not easy ever to pull off big 
relatively big film series stuff for the staff, for the projectionists, for everyone involved. Um, So, you know, tip heavy, shout out to the music box. And John, why don't we, why don't we close this shit out? Let's talk about uh, the last double bill in highs and lows part one. It is a, Composed of a film directed by Bob Dylan's son, not the Wallflowers one, and a film directed by uh, the absolute legend, maybe the the biggest of uh, art house directors in the realm of people who normally don't give a shit about art house movies. One Vera Chitalova, and that is How High and Daisies. Yes. What about this well. One? It's, it's very apt that this comes at the end of the first run. Now, it's not the end of the series. This just kind of comes in the middle and all starts over again. But How High and Daisies was produced at the very end of our uh, what are we going to put together for this series? Like days before. Because we had some other ones, but we were kind of thinking like we can't. Oh, I don't know. For whatever reasons, we didn't want to like front load in case they give us another shot at this. And Daisies and How High are so similar. I mean, formally, no. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Couldn't might might one might say antithetical. <laughs> yeah, they could be complete opposite. <laughs> um, but the spirit. And the spirit of liberation flows deeply throughout both. One was made under, well, a pretty hard time in Czechoslovakia. Let's yeah. just, we can just safely sum it up to things were going not. It's fucking brutal. Yeah, we'll say brutal. Uh, America at this time was doing just fine. Well, uh, on, on the surface. So what better way to, I guess the thinking was, let's take two rappers and we'll put them in a movie and it's going to be kind of like Cheech and Chong. But like one was made with the spirit of going against the foundation and one was made entrenched within the foundation. And they, they both are able to express something very similar. And that is basically just two pairs of people. So a pair of people basically causing havoc throughout the halls of upper class society. In one case, you know, uh, sort of, I I just completely clamped down Czechoslovakia and um, the high society dining rooms, uh, the upper echelon of society, essentially. And then how high takes place within the walls of Harvard. So, you know, it's this one is probably I'm not going to say the biggest stretch, but I think like things will become abundantly clear about a movie like How High if you watch it alongside of a movie called Daisies, because it kind of. Yeah. And you, I don't know. I mean, like How High came out at a time where movies like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back were coming out um road trip you know it does get buried into this kind of like muck and mire of like early 2000s like i don't know hollywood comedies and i'm I'm not gonna even like pretend that it's a great masterpiece like 
it has its moments where you are going to see the kind of mediocrity of movies at that time. But what's so brilliant about it is really just Method Man and Red Man. Like the chemistry between the two of them is so infectious and their complete lack of moral structure is so appealing in this movie that it's pretty hard to not root for them. And I remember when this movie came out, I remember my mom let me rent it. And yeah, I was like, I don't know, I was probably in sixth or seventh grade. So my mom was at a point while well, she was going through divorce, she was sort of laxing some things at this time, but she won. I was a huge like fan of both those rappers and rap music in general. I had purchased Method Man and Red Man's The Blackout. Um, and I just really wanted to see this movie. So my mom let me rent it and uh, watched it with me. And she was like appalled at like how mean they were <laughs> to everybody in this movie. Like didn't really care that it was a movie um, romanticizing drug use. Um, something I certainly never uh, took part in later in life, but I think uh, what was I remembered how r- rude she thought the movie was and how mean these people were and how it just felt kind of like icky that people could be that rude to one another. <laughs> and um, Damn, I don't know. Yes. It, there is no regard for uh, niceties. Well, it's great. Yep. At all. And I, it's not even so much that it's just like, oh, that's how it was in 2001. No, you know, these things haven't aged well. There is such a lack of moral center to this mm-hmm. movie that I think we should give it more credit. And I think in its relation to Daisy's, they're brother, sister. Like, there is no, there is, yeah. I'm talking more about how high because I think you probably have read about daisies or you've seen daisies. So I don't need to explain that one to you, but everything I'm saying rhymes pretty well with, with that movie. So I, I don't know. I know that this is the weirdest one and it's like the one that people are going to be like, excuse me, but you'll fall in love with how high just as much as you will seeing daisies in a beautiful print. It's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Method Man and Red Man should have been in more stuff together. Yep. And I don't know. I mean, I guess we can, you know, for the next part two, we'll do Method and Red and we'll show the whole, the entire season. <laughs> Method and Red. <laughs> um, but if you want them not on Fox and you want them smoking their dead friend's remains <clears throat> to uh, become smarter, then uh then this is the movie for you and i don't know i I, there's this is also a hard one to really like i could go into specific things but i don't really want to rob the yeah i mean you did you i think you did it it's yeah you think i did where what are we at how long was that 15 minutes no it's good you you didn't i don't think you ruined anything or take anything away but you highlight because it's this fucking spirit that's what it is it really is. Yeah. And it's, the, and it's the, and it's the, it's how wild of an experience it is watching a movie made by people who are literally being crushed by the, 
you know, the place that they live and the powers that be there and them coming back as hard as they possibly fucking could just doing everything they can to upset those people that are crushing them. And then seeing people who live in a society that supposedly is completely open and has no restrictions and all of this stuff, but they don't see it that way. And yeah. just they also want to destroy everything that those people tell them they have to do and that they have to f- abide by to exist successfully in that world. And it's very fascinating to see those two couldn't be more different like places that they're coming from, but the spirit and I think the, the, the like fucking fire in the guts, <laughs> you know, um, is the yeah. same. Well, their character is totally beholden to their environment and the ways in which the two women and daisies are clamped down by it is a little more obvious, but I think like understanding, and it's not like this movie really drives it home, but it's impossible not to see that. Um, I mean, it kind of does, but um, the, the ways in which the two black men in how high are held down. I mean, you know, they can't go to, uh, to Ivy league school unless magically they they grind up their dead friend and <laughs> just you know completely yeah hot box their friend and it's um i think like that uh, you know maybe sort of like the inner thread the, the vein that runs throughout ha will be a little bit more apparent today uh because you know we joke a lot on this podcast the world's not getting any better. <laughs> it's going to get worse. And this That's is this double is going to feel so good. Yeah. Like, oh, so good. Our proprietary ideas of like, what is moral in the world? One shouldn't be, we got to be more moral than ever, but on a certain level, it has to be less restrictive in how you approach the world and the powers that be. And I think that's what makes these two movies so liberating. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, you're going to see me for sure, not walking out into the alleyway in the middle or in the middle of how high I will actually been in the alleyway ahead of how high, (laughs) but I will a hundred percent be there. Just the, the, the fifth, sixth grader in me, just smiling in the seats. Um, oh, we'll be crying. Are you kidding me? Oh, we'll be crying. We're going to be weeping, dude. We almost cried when we, for all you listeners out there, when uh, uh, when we got the trailer for Highs and Lows from Corey Pop. The whole thing hit us, of course. There's a very little changed from the first time we saw it to when you guys saw it. Not that John didn't kill himself along with Corey to get it to where you saw it, but we came close to killing ourselves. Got some spirit was there, and uh, we weren't in the same room, but we were texting about it uh, when uh, when you first see when you see Method and Red together, coughing, smoking those blunts, and those huge fucking grins on their faces. We both teared up. I, I yeah, I for sure. And again, it's that it's that fucking spirit, and it's. Good God, if there's ever been a double feature, we more need in the world right now for all the reasons. And again, for the reasons we will talk with you for hours about after everyone does this, because we're not trying to shape 
these experiences for you, but there's a lot to be gleaned here. And I'm elated that this is our closing double feature also. I hadn't talked to one of my friends in like a year and a half, not because we had a falling out, just because, you know, life happens, whatever. We don't live in the same place anymore. Uh, She texted me and she was like, I saw some shit going off on Twitter about highs and lows. Is that you? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, involved again. And she was excited and she was like, you know, so happy you're doing it. I think people really vibe with it and it'll be good for them. And then a, a couple seconds later, she calls me. And was just like, what the fuck, dude? How high in daisies? And just lost her mind. She was like, it's so inspired. And I will be doing it myself at my house. She's in New York. Uh, But she was like, that is some of the freshest shit. Like, I just can't even, I can't even, you know, fully understand what I'm going to experience. But I really think there's no better way to end this. Um, Yeah. Than how high in daisies. And also truly, all jokes aside about tickets uh just a heads up for everybody our final show in how in uh highs and lows which is daisies plus how high is in the small theater at the music box that means 76 tickets so truly that one will be gone fully soon um totally gone so you know if you want to close out and cry with us, because I'm also going to cry in that intro, probably the first one and the last one I'll cry during. But anyway, yeah. How Hunting Daisies plays February 26th. And then we finish out this behemoth on March 10th with Daisies and How High. I mean, who you I mean, all jokes aside, how can you not roll up the White Owl the or the Peach Optimo for... <laughs> for for how high we gotta do the work even though it's so hard and i always fail because it's for heads only we have to roll up a backwoods you're right it does have to be backwoods it has to be we have to do it right (laughs) okay done we're doing backwoods i'm gonna be a very i'm gonna be a very good boy for most of the intros yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for the last one, though. We're getting fucking tanked. Oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> no. Daisies and how high we will be barely standing, but we'll be crying and we'll be just so happy. It's going to be good. So see you all there. Go go at this however you feel most comfortable. I'm only kidding. I don't smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, but, and I don't drink. And yes. So um, I guess the final thing we should say is there will be a special thing for sale. Mm-hmm. And that is about to probably should be announced. Be yeah, should be announced any minute. Okay, let's just pretend you you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, we have a very limited, very rare, long sleeve shirt from Boot Boys, one of the top streetwear, cool fashion design companies in the U.S. internationally. They have worked with Kanye. They have worked with Ty Seagal. They have worked with Frank Ocean, most notably. These are big, these are big cojones dudes. And three of my very good friends, well, four. And it's not all boys. Sorry. That's Um, That's how you know. But they're doing great work for this. And they have put together a shirt for us that if it was sold on their website would sell out in probably five minutes. This is something where people get mad that they can't catch their drops when they come out. So even if you don't like shirts, buy one and sell it. (laughs) Flip that shit if you need to, man. 
Yeah, be an entrepreneur. Okay. I mean, you're not going to want to because well, I w- will say, um, and I'll just, you know, full honesty is good, I think, these days especially. I think we need it more. So I will say I was pretty skeptical. It's not that boot boys don't do amazing shit because they do, but I, it's hard for me to care about this kind of stuff, I will say. Uh-huh. Even when I think it's awesome. I just, you know, it's just not really, it doesn't really float into my orbit often. But so I went, when I heard this was happening, obviously huge fucking deal and incredibly kind of them. And what a great compliment that they were so excited about the series to want to be a part of it. Um, But yeah, I was expecting to, uh, since I'm talking about honesty, lie a little bit to John if I needed to, in case they were super lame but people would still buy them. I was, I was preparing how I was going to do that. Uh, and then John sent that shit over. John sent that design over and I was absolutely floored. Um, it's really you know, cool. Everything that happens on it, the images, the words they choose, how it's all placed. Uh, no, it's fuck. It's fucking sick. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. hum- truly humbled to say the least that this is happening for our, silly little fucking uh, attempt to chip away however small a piece of the armor of, you know, gatekeeping and, uh, and canon. So yeah. Shout out to the boot boys. Yeah, really. I mean, they're only going to be, okay, let's get the specifics out of the way so I can go piss. Um, This is going to be available at the theater. Will and I will be tabling it like a merch table or we'll put someone there and Shirts are going to be $45. Now, I know that sounds expensive, but that's actually a little cheaper than what they do on their website, I think. So it's you're buying a piece of art and a really sick T-shirt that or long sleeve T-shirt that when you see these, you're good at you're like, what, what is this thing? You'll see this and be like, I have to wear this because I'm desperately trying to get laid and or make friends. And <laughs> you have that shirt. People will start being like, what is, what is this shirt? Yep. It's a yeah. guarantee if you wear this shirt, someone will approach you and say, two ways this can go. Do you want to be best friends? Do you just want to have sex right now? So it's, you know, your call, but both are guaranteed with this shirt. So I, they are guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> At least someone will talk to you with this shirt. At the very least, someone will ask you a question about this shirt. Oh, yeah. Well, because uh, I, I mean, can we? Well, yeah, we can say it because it'll be out by the time this episode yeah. comes out. The shirt with the fonts of the movies uh, has the double feature pairings on it. Yeah. So even if someone's not taken by the design, which they will be, even if they're not, someone's going to walk up to you and be like, why the fuck does your shirt say How High Plus Daisies? Why the fuck does your shirt say Billy Madison plus the Phantom of Liberty? It is the greatest conversation starter. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And a tribute to the old um, calendars of music box of yore. Mm -hmm. So if you're a film person in the city of Chicago, you're going to need this. Like I said, it's $45 unless you uh, kiss Will and I, and then it'll be $42. (laughs) (laughs) I love that $1.50 kiss text. uh on the on the cheeks because we are spoken for but oh, i'm slutty i can i can kiss yeah you can kiss our balls it doesn't but no one no 
No one's allowed to kiss Mike because then John and I will both just get jealous because Mike's so hot. So, Do not kiss Mike. Yes, Mike shirts 57 immediately. Yeah, and you're not going to get it. Your payment's going to <laughs> and then we're going to yank it. So do not fuck around with our man. Well, that's really? a good tell, too. When I put this shirt on, I'm finally going to feel what it's like to walk around looking as good as Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ladies, you'll see this guy. He's a, <laughs> he's a tall, handsome drink of water. He'll be entering the first three screenings with us. Yeah, of this series. So, truly, just the hottest wop on the block. So, <laughs> I don't. I I think that you all want to. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's gonna be so pissed. We have to take this in. Uh, did you guys call me? Did you guys call me a, a wop? <laughs> no, he'll be pissed. We're talking about how hot he is. So that's what he'll be mad about. No, I don't care about that. Um... <laughs> Oh, yeah right so, but yeah i mean anyway, you know cash if you got it cash is preferred because i mean just be real with them <laughs> yeah we're just gonna be real i i might have sunk a lot of money into this so please cash we do not want to incur penalties from the gd government <laughs> um we will we'll work with you We'll do, it if, we'll do it if we need to, but in the spirit of how high and daisies, do any of you really want all your money to go to the tax man hmm, who now is in bed with PayPal and Venmo at a very low certain dollar level? So, man, think about how high and daisies and get some cash. Get it illegally. Get it. Sell some fucking weed and buy, please buy your shirts. Steal the cash. Hustle the cash. Whatever you do, you know, just come with that spirit. That's what this shit is all about. If you sell yourself, just make sure you do it with a heavy heart and you know what you're getting into. (laughs) 